Ryan Herta has joined us here in the Freak Nation. It started out with him running in the IndyCar Series, Champ Car Series, Car, whatever the hell it was, is an open wheel series. And <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Back in the year 2000, 2001, 2003. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, he joins us now, Ryan Herta. Uh, you've got so much stuff going on. Your son's kicking ass in the IndyCar Series. You're uh, in IMSA. Your sports car team's kicking ass. Uh, listen, man, What did, 20 years ago, when you first came in the Freak Nation at that Hooters in Freaking Pasadena. Do you think you do you think I'd be calling you for freaking parenting advice with my seven year old and now Colton Herta about to become a, a grown ass man? Oh man. It's been it's been a ride. It's been a hell of a ride. And and it's been good and we're still riding, so uh, I'm I'm loving it. Should I if my daughter at this young of an age gravitates towards go karts, should I say hell the freak no? <laughs> Well, it depends what's more important to you, uh, financial security or helping her chase her dreams. It's hard to do both in racing, but uh, I'll tell you what, I don't, I don't regret a second of it, if that helps you at all. Brian Herta joining us here in the Freak Nation, and that brings me to a point of, Brian, through these last two, two decades of Speed Freaks, you talk about a person in motorsports who's had their ups and downs. That's been you. Having a ride, don't have a ride, chasing a ride, looking for a sponsor. And now, look at you. You're back on top of the mountaintop. What's been your key to really wrapping your arms around these struggles and successes and make sure you're not, you haven't been on a roof with a freaking deer rifle just pissed off? I don't know. I guess I never really looked at it as, you know, when when things were going down, you know, just got to work harder. And I, I feel lucky every day that, you know, I get to keep doing the thing that I love. And I, I think that's really what it comes back to is just passion and love for the sport and being able to still be a part of it and participate in it on a daily basis. You know, one thing I don't think I've ever known about you, where did you get your passion for motorsports and maybe in particular IndyCar and sports cars? I don't know. You know, yeah. what I do know is I knew right away. The first time I was, I was six or seven years old, my dad took me to just like a local Saturday night race at a local track and I fell in love with it and I can't remember ever wanting to do anything else from that day on. So for me, it was kind of like this immediate connection and, and really deep. And that only grew over, over time. And, and you know, I'm, I'm lucky to this day. I, I still feel the same way about the sport. Yeah. Cause it's incredible. You've been able to turn your athlete side of things into a pretty damn successful businessman as well. I mean, starting from, okay, two Indy 500 wins. Where does that come from? So many people would love to be able to say that. And now your, your championships in sports cars, and that cannot be an easy transition. You've made it look easy, but it just, it couldn't have been, was it? No, no, not easy. Um, you know, I mean, but a lot of a lot of folks out here working really hard. I feel very fortunate to, you know, when I when I stopped driving there in 2008, you know, to to if you'd told me then that hey your best days in racing are still ahead of you, I would have uh-huh. thought you were crazy. Uh, but I I feel very fortunate to feel like you know my best days in racing are now. I I, I get to participate in a different way. You know, I, I people ask if I miss the driving part, and honestly, not. Not really, because I did it for a long time, and I drove for great teams, and I don't feel like I didn't get that part of my life in and done, and I you know, I feel like I was very lucky to do that, and I, I really have the same passion and, and, and energy and desire to win now 
from the team side and putting people together and, and working with the drivers, the engineers and sponsors and manufacturers and all that to, uh, to put winning programs on the track. I, I still feel the same way. It's a different challenge, uh, but I still get the same level of enjoyment out of it. Brian Hurd, a two-time Indy 500 winner, two-time sports car champion winner. I mean, just you name it. The accolades go on and on, and he's, like you just said, not done yet, not even close. Brian, so many people need to hear that story right now because a lot of people, whether it's the pandemic or just other things in life, they've been let down or they feel down over the last many, many months, and they don't know why they keep going. But your example right there of doing something because you're passionate about it and then learning from the good and the bad of that and being able to turn it into the next step. That's huge. And it, it it's the never give up attitude, but learning from the good and the bad of something that you've done in your life already. Well, it's nice of you to say, and I, I think I see so many great examples of that in my life every day. And just recently I had, you know, a great reminder that, uh, as you guys probably know, uh, Robert Wickens yes. came back from his accident and, and hopped in one of our cars uh, during a track day we had at Mid-Ohio just last week. And, uh, you know, you talk about perseverance and, and dedication and, you know, the things that I've been through in my life just pale in comparison. You just can't even bring it up when you see a guy like Robert and and what he's been through and the work he's still putting in daily, six, eight hours a day of physical therapy, uh, just really inspiring. And, and uh, to be part of that day when he first got back into a race car after his accident was was kind of an amazing day and so you know when you have people like that around you to kind of draw inspiration from it it makes i feel like it makes you know what seem like big deals in our lives maybe seem maybe not so big anymore Ryan Herder, when did you know this thing with Robert Wickens was going to come together and further what's the future with you and and Wickens well we we started talking uh really in January uh, when we were at Daytona and I was talking with Michael Johnson, who's, who's one of our drivers in the Hyundai uh, Michelin pilot challenge uh, team that we have in IMSA. And Michael is paralyzed from the chest down. And so he drives completely with hand controls. And so we had to adapt one of our cars to a hand control system. And at Daytona, we just started talking and I mentioned to Michael, you know, I, do you think it'd be cool to invite Robert Wickens out to drive the car? And Michael was like, yeah, let's do it. And so I reached out to Robert and said, you know, Hey, is this something you'd be interested in doing? And he was, you know, very uh, enthusiastic. I, I just didn't know where, where his head was at on all of that. But he was like, yeah, man, I want to, I've been working hard and I'm looking to get back in a race car. Hmm. So, you know, for us to be able to kind of put that together and, and it culminated last week at a, uh, a team track day that we had at mid Ohio and to see him, you know, turn those laps. And I got to tell you, man, he, he did a great job. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't just a PR thing. I mean, he was out there to, to, to really wring the thing's neck. And, and that was really cool to see. Brian, it seems like everybody knew that this wasn't a PR thing for Wickens. You, he knew it, you knew it. There's a, probably other drivers like Michael Johnson, even Alex Zanardi. It would be wonderful to get all three of them together, Wickens, Johnson, and Zanardi together in a car and maybe go racing at the 24 hours of Daytona next year. That's something you could strive to put together yourself. Brian heard it. Well, that would, that would be amazing. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I could conjure all that up together in one, in one magic formula, but that would be an amazing, amazing uh, lineup. But 
you know, for, for Robert, you know, we've talked about what could be the next steps. I think, you know, coming off the test, take a little time and process and, and see what, what could be next for him. You know, Robert's desires to get back to elite level motorsports. And I think, I think we could be maybe a step along that path back for him, but it's really going to be up to what he wants to do next and uh, him really kind of evaluating where he's at and what he thinks he can do. Brian Herta joining us here in the Freak Nation. Good to get him back here to give us some insight. Has there been a time, and, and I'm being somewhat funny in this, when you've had to get after Colton, your son, before saying, look, Robert Wickens is about to kick some freaking ass. I don't want to hear about you complaining about having a bad hair day. <laughs> well, you know, a, a guy like a guy like Robert, you know, and what, you know, when he shows up and you see his level of dedication, his work ethic, and and how badly he wanted to be in that car, it does it does kind of remind you, hey, the the little the little things you know, I'm struggling with today or, or that seem like a bigger thing really aren't that big a deal. And so I think, you know, I, I love being around people like that. I, lo- I, I want to always be around people that, you know, inspire me and, and make me want to do better. And I'm lucky with the IndyCar team, working with the Andretti guys, I'm around a lot of people like that. And, and with the IMSA team with Hyundai, you know, we, we've got some great examples of people like that, like Michael Johnson, who just who show you that wherever you think the limit is, wherever you think your limit is, you're not even close. Brian, you spent a lot of time in an open wheel car and were never injured severely. It must give you pause then looking at your son racing in an open wheel car. How did you get out of all of that without any serious injury? A little bit, a little bit. I did. I I had a bad accident early on. I broke my pelvis in seven places and my femur. But luckily, they were all injuries that uh, I was able to fully recover from and then come back. And really, it happened so early in my career. A lot of people don't even, it was when I was driving for A.J. Foyt, don't even realize that, I, that I'd had that accident. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, you, you, do, you do look back and say, you know, I've, I've, been, I've been charmed. You know, I got to do this. I came out the other end in good shape. You know, I got a great family and, and things are going well in life. So, you know, I think there's a feeling of gratitude about the whole thing. I remember your accident at Elkhart Lake. I, Alex Barron comes to mind. I forget the car that flew over you. Obviously, yeah, way before. Was it Alex? Okay. I, yeah. Way before, obviously, the halo, the aero screen that we have now with IndyCar. What are some feedback from your son, Colton, or some of the other drivers you've worked with? I mean, it seems to be awesome from most every standpoint and from a fan perspective, but what are the drivers really saying behind the scenes of that new safety enhancement with IndyCar? I'll tell you what, every every sort of day that goes by, I think we're seeing more and more examples of why it's a great thing. Uh, I don't know if you saw the footage, onboard footage from uh, Ryan Hunter Ray's uh, in-car from the accident that happened in Barber. And uh, when he hit Joseph Newgarden's car, that tire rode right up onto the aero screen. And Ryan didn't even know it at the time. He said at the moment of impact, he closed his eyes. So he didn't see it but when he went back to the trailer and watched the in-car. And you watch that tire was coming right at his head. And it hits that aero screen and slides right up, up and over. And it just, it just shows you. I mean, I think some of the concerns we had about it and whether 
you know, whether was it going to shatter into a million pieces when it hits something, anything, I think it's, it's proving to be uh, more than up to the task. And I think it's a, it's, you know, one of those great safety innovations like the safer wall, like the Hans device. It's one of those things that I think a few years from now, you won't be able to imagine racing a car without one. Yeah. Bottom line, IndyCars are rocket ships that don't fly. They We don't want them to fly. We want them to stay down. They still look like a rocket ship, people. So yeah, and they're safer now. So let's just keep with it. I, I love it. Speaking of IndyCar, the month of May, Indy 500 is obviously huge with the series. And your month of May, I mean, <laughs> I guess this is just what you get in this phase of your 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 life, your career. You've, you're pulling double duty this weekend with IMSA and IndyCar. It's a packed, packed month for you. How do you balance it all? Oh, I love it. I look forward to it every year. My favorite month of the year. And it's busy, but, you know, there's a lot of prep that goes into it ahead of time. And, you know, if you prepare correctly, when you get there, you know, the work is just going through the motions. You've already done all the hard stuff. So, you know, to be here at Indianapolis, I, I love now that we get to race on the road course, open the, open the month of May on the road course this Saturday and then move right into practice and qualifying for the Indy 500 and obviously the Indy 500 on Memorial Day weekend. I mean, for, for me, this is, uh, this is Christmas. So, uh, <laughs> to be here, I'm actually, I'm talking to you live from the infield at Indianapolis Motor Speedway right now, getting ready. Uh, uh, we just finished our engineering debriefs and, uh, we're getting ready to go for the weekend. It's the most Have you wonderful checked time on the crappers over there in turn year. one to make sure this, there's no more stalls, there's actual toilets? <laughs> I've heard I have heard they're immaculate, but I have not been over to see it. <laughs> he can't give you a first hand take yet. <laughs> not yet. Herda, it's always I'm, great. I'm a little spoiled. I have I have my bus inside and I've got my own Jeez. private toilet in here that I like to use. Yeah. But uh just for you guys, I'll go check them out and next time we talk I'll give you an update. It will be a speed freaks feature. Absolutely. Brian Herda reporting from <laughs> outside turn one. <laughs> Exclusive the crappers. Live. Yes, exactly. First world problems, Freak Nation. Damn it. <laughs> People just wish they only had a hole to piss in, and they were bitching and moaning about having troughs. Uh, Herda, <laughs> as always, brother, it's greatness. Thank you for doing this, bud. Uh, thank you guys so much. It's always my pleasure. It's that, man. Every time we talk to Brian Herda, there's so many stories there, side stories, sub-stories, however you want to refer to it. The one story that comes to mind is that bet you made with him about 17, 18 years ago about finishing in the top 10. What was that? Yeah, we were at a Hooters in Pasadena, and he was out of the top 10 when he was racing in the cart championship or champ car, whichever it was. And uh, I said, dude, you're not in the top 10. So he got a little indignant and said, look, I'll be in the top 10 by the end of the year. So I just played it a little further and said, if you get in the top 10, I'll grow my hair out. And if you, if you don't get in the top 10, you have to shave your head. And he, you know, I went on a, a bike ride. I let my hair grow just to find out where it was going to grow and what color it was going to be. But he, uh, he, he didn't get into the top 10 and he shaved his head, pulled his hat off at a supercross at Anaheim's and I pay my bets and I'll never forget Ryan Herder for that. Wow. Now look at the guy, the father of a badass in IndyCar, and he's got his fingers and fists and face and feet in so many different forms of racing. 